We're in the book of Proverbs again this morning, but you'll probably have a hard time keeping up with all the different Proverbs we're going to look at, but you certainly can turn there with me if you'd like, please. And also, I'm going to pray before we come to God's Word, and I am uh, reminded of the songs that we sang today, what struck me, the, the uh, hymns and also the song we just sang, the choir did, is how many of them look towards heaven. And I know a lot of the hymns that we sing, they do look towards heaven. The last verse is usually a looking forward. It's a proclamation of the uh, faith that we have, the promise that we're looking forward to being fulfilled and looking forward to heaven. I know a lot of modern songs sing about lots of things, and heaven is the theme of some of them. I can only imagine everyone knows that song. But I have always been struck by how so many of our hymns look towards heaven. That's what our hope is. And that's what gives us uh, hope for today. And that's what helps us today. And so as you go through problems, as you go through life, as you have the aches and pains and the sorrow of it, know that heaven is our home. And God will make his promise to us sure then. Let's go to him in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for the heavenly home that we have, that you're preparing for us. I thank you, Lord, for the the song, The Old Rugged Cross, that reminds us that one day we will be there laying down our crowns and we will be there with you. Also, it is well with our soul. When you come back for us, even then it will be well and we will be with you. And I do thank you, Lord, for the, the thoughts of being there in heaven and what we will see and who we will talk to. But Jesus, you will be the one that will make it all worth it. You will be the one that we will sing to and worship and serve for eternity. Lord, you deserve it, and we will want to do it because of what you have done for us. We are so thankful, Lord, that uh, you don't wait for heaven to be with us, and you don't wait for heaven to help us have a life that's filled with peace and joy. And so, Lord, I pray that as we come to the book of Proverbs this morning and we learn again some practical ways that we can be a good neighbor I pray, Lord, that we would uh, live it out in our lives each and every day. Teach us now, Lord, as we come to your word. And I pray, Jesus, in your name. Amen. How can you be a good neighbor? Do you think this guy's a good neighbor? He left a note on the door. Did you guys move? Your Wi-Fi isn't working anymore. Hope you're okay. I guess he was stealing the Wi-Fi from his neighbors and found out that it wasn't working, wondered how well they were. Uh... I don't think this is the best way to be a good neighbor either, to try to spy and see what's going on over the fence. Uh, These guys got it figured out. I want to find out if they made this themselves or what they did, but look at this. I mean, the neighbors are sharing a grill, are having a great time together. That looks pretty awesome. And uh, these kids certainly have it figured out. This is a great way to be a good neighbor. And if you... uh, Uh, We come to the book of Proverbs today to find out how to be a good neighbor. And I'll give you one right away at the very beginning here of how to be a good neighbor. When is the best time to cut your grass? You know, especially if you're you're one that likes to get up early and you like to cut it early in the morning, right when the sun gets up. You know, there's a proverb about that. Not about actually cutting the grass. They didn't use lawnmowers back in Solomon's day. But uh, listen to this proverb. If one blesses his neighbor with a loud voice early in the morning, it will be counted as a curse to him. Proverbs 27, 14. There's some good advice right there. 
your neighbors don't like loud noises early in the morning. Even if you go and knock on their door and say, you're the greatest neighbor ever. They're going to curse you for waking them up early in the morning. So there's the answer. Wait till 9, 10, 11 o'clock. The heat of the day, that's when you want to do it. No, not seriously. But anyway, I just want you to see how very practically the Proverbs has many verses that tell us how to be a good neighbor. And that's what we're going to look at this morning, how to be a neighbor. Now you may ask the question, who is my neighbor? You know, wasn't there a guy in the New Testament who asked that question? Remember, he was in a conversation. He was an expert in the law, and he was in a conversation with Jesus and Jesus told him to, to love his neighbor as himself. And the man was trying to justify, trying to wiggle through the loopholes of the law. Remember, he's a lawyer. That's what lawyers do. And so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? I think he was trying to get out of having to love his neighbor if he couldn't identify who his neighbor was. And you know the story well of how Jesus told him a parable about a man who was traveling and who was beaten and who was robbed and how a priest walked by and a Levite walked by and just ignored him but there was a Samaritan who stopped by and and helped him and carried him to an inn and made sure that he was well cared for and made sure that all of his expenses were paid and Jesus asked a question of that lawyer which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers. The lawyer said, the one who showed mercy to him. He said, then Jesus told him, go and do the same. You see, you probably know this well because you've heard this parable so many times that our neighbor isn't simply the person who lives next door to us. Our neighbor is not just our neighborhood. Our, our neighbor really is anyone that we see who has a need, and we have the means to help them. This Samaritan had the means, he had the money, he had the ability to put this man on his donkey and to take him to an inn. He saw a man in need and he helped him. He had mercy on him. And Jesus said to the lawyer, he says to us, go and do likewise. You see someone in need? They don't have to be the one that you can walk next door to. It can be anyone. And if you have the resources, if you have the ability to help out, there's your neighbor. Have mercy on him and help him. So keep that in mind as I am going to narrow our focus to people that are close to us geographically in our neighborhood, in our community, because that's where it begins. Where are your closest neighbors? Just next door, across the street. So you can start helping them, and then you can help others that are farther away, or others that are even more of a stranger to you, but yet still we have the obligation to love our neighbor as ourself. But let's begin in our neighborhood. Let's think a moment about who you have that lives around you. If you've been to our house, you know the neighborhood we live in, near the old hospital on Chaptica Road, and within Two blocks of our house, there's about 100 people who live there. Isn't that amazing just to think? Well, 100 households, I should say, not even just more than 100 people. Just right there in a couple blocks. I've shared with you before who my neighbors are. There's a wide variety of people. There are, are widows that live alone in that neighborhood. There are young families that live in that neighborhood. 
There's all different races that live in that neighborhood. We've got a policeman that lives in that neighborhood. We have church members that live in that neighborhood. We have uh, people that struggle in that neighborhood. I've talked to them. Struggle with, with addiction. Struggle with making ends meet. I've uh, met people in that neighborhood just by walking around and talking to them. Amazing array of, of people. And you can think of your neighborhood as well. And think about all the different people. I said ages, races. Some have more money than others. Struggling with different things. They're all right there. As I've shared with you before, I almost feel called to go to my neighborhood. I would just love just to have a church right there. There's enough people there to have a great church. We could all just meet at my house on Sunday mornings. But I come here on Sunday mornings. But I, you know, I want them to be here. But we could just have church right there. You know, there's enough people in two blocks to minister to, to pray for, to love on, to share the gospel with. Yet, don't we so often, when it comes to our neighbors, we just ignore them. So I want you to think about your neighborhood as we hear Proverbs teach us how to be a good neighbor. First thing we're to do is not to look down on our neighbors. Now, if your neighbor has a cowboy sign out in the front yard, <laughs> you know, I might be tempted to look down on that person. You know, how could they? I feel sorry for that person. You know, so, but seriously, when you think of your neighbors, sometimes we're very judgmental and we look down on them. You know, we see a young family and think, well, gosh, those parents aren't good at all. I, mean, I could do better than that. Or, now look at his yard. He calls, he calls that a yard? What, you know, what kind of equipment is he using? What fertilizer is he using? Or, or that neighbor never goes to church. That, that, person, that neighbor would never even set foot in the church. What kind of heathen is that? Or look at that person. Look how poor. It could be lots of different ways that we can look at our neighbors and have contempt for them and look down on them. Proverbs eleven twelve says, Whoever shows contempt for his neighbor lacks sense. But a person with understanding keeps silent. I think the second part of us reminds us uh, not to share those contemptible thoughts that we have. Keep silent about them. More than that, confess them and don't have them. Notice how people in a neighborhood, especially the poor, are often looked down upon. Look, a poor person is hated even by his neighbor. But there are many who love the rich. It's a proverb more about how we favor the rich than it is a proverb about neighbors, but it's true that I would say in most neighborhoods, the poorest in the neighborhood are the ones that are looked down upon the most. Proverbs tell us, God tells us, don't do that. Don't look down on your neighbors. Don't, don't look at them and judge them and see them as less than you. Rather, what we are to do is to help our neighbors. Don't look down on them, don't have contempt for them, but help them. And as you know, there's lots of ways that you can help your neighbor. Here are some pictures, bringing food, taking them to a doctor's appointment, helping with the project, even carrying them through the flood, as you see there. We often think of these tangible, practical ways that we can help our neighbor. There are many others. You can pray for your neighbor. You can just talk to your neighbor. 
to share the greatest news of Jesus Christ to your neighbor? Those are ways of helping your neighbor, looking out for your neighbor, you know, when the Wi-Fi goes down, making sure they're okay, you know, or whatever. So you can help your neighbor. Proverbs 14, 21 says, the one who despises his neighbor sins, but whoever shows kindness to the poor will be happy or will be blessed. So again, it's a sin to look down on your neighbors, but rather, God says, to show kindness to them, especially those who are in need. Being in need, being poor, but not just poor in money. They have a need. Help them, show kindness to them, and God will bless you. Proverbs 3, 27 through 28 reminds us, when it's in your power, don't withhold good from the one to whom it belongs. Don't say to your neighbor, go away, come back later, I'll give it tomorrow when it is there with you. So this proverb tells us, don't put your neighbor off. You know, your neighbor comes by and needs help, and you say, oh, I'll help you. Uh, I'll get to it tomorrow. No, if you can help them then, do it then. The neighbor's not asking for help tomorrow. The neighbor is asking for help now. And often you know, especially children here, young people, don't you know when your parents say maybe, that really means no, okay? So it's... Uh, so if you're telling your neighbor, well, maybe I'll help you, or tomorrow I'll help you, you're really saying, no, I'm not going to help you. Rather than putting it off, putting your neighbor off, telling them maybe, telling them later, if you can help them, if you have the need, uh, the, 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 the ability to help, help them right then. Don't wait. Uh, another proverb reminds us and tells us and teaches us that good neighbors can even be closer to us than family. Isn't that true? For years, Sarah and I lived far from family, and Sarah, her whole adult life, has lived far from family. I mean, her closest family member is 3,000-plus miles away. And for years, we were hundreds of miles away from my family. You know who really became our family? Our, our neighbors, our church family. They were our family. If we needed immediate help, Sarah couldn't call her mom or dad 3,000 miles away and have them come over and help. And the Proverbs tell us the same thing, that uh, a friend, a neighbor nearby is often more valuable to us than a family member who lives far, far away. But you're not going to have that sense of family with your neighbors unless you're looking out for them, unless you are looking to find a need to meet, unless you're helping them. If you show contempt for them, if you uh, put them off when they're trying to ask for help, there's no sense of family there. So God tells us to come uh, help your neighbor so much and be such a great neighbor to them that you all become family. And that they can even become closer than family. Now what happens if your neighbor is really your enemy? You know, I mean, is a... a Let's just say it as a jerk, <laughs> hateful, despises you, hates your religion, hates your God. They do look down on contempt with you. They don't like maybe nothing about you. They don't like the way you dress. They don't like the way you keep your yard. Don't like the way that you talk. Don't like the way that you do anything. And you just want to ignore them. You wish they'd move away. 
You're almost tempted to call the police on them for something, so maybe something would happen to them. Uh, maybe you're tempted to let your dog go in their yard. You're trying to think of ways maybe passively, aggressively to get back at them without being too obvious that you're taking vengeance on them. If your neighbor is an enemy, how do you treat them? The same way you would treat any neighbor, with love, helping them in their time of need, being family to them. That's how a, a Christian is a neighbor. That's, that's what makes us different from the world. The world wouldn't help a neighbor or pray for a neighbor or love a neighbor that was awful to them, mean-spirited to them. The world wouldn't love that neighbor. The world, at the least, would ignore them. And like I said, at the most, seek revenge against them. We're not Christians. Because remember, we were enemies of God when he loved us. So we are to love our enemies. Uh, look at Proverbs... Uh, what did I do here? 25. If your enemy is hungry... Give him food to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. The first part is hard to do. The middle part of that makes no sense. And the last part we're excited about. The first part's hard to do. But remember, Jesus also said to pray for our enemies. To bless those that persecute us. Jesus also said, as I just alluded to, if we just love people who love us back, what different are we from the world? Anybody can do that. We're supposed to love people that hate us, despise us. So if your neighbor's in need and he's a jerk, he needs water, he needs food, you give it to him. And then he's going to have cold burning down on his head. Yes, vengeance, finally, that's what I'm excited about. I know it's a confusing verse, and there's been many who've tried to interpret it. I think the best way to understand this verse is that it's referring to a fact that so, this is true. Now think about this before I explain it directly. If you are mean to someone and they're nice to you, how does that usually make you feel? You usually feel kind of ashamed, and you feel guilty that you've treated them so badly. Now, I know there can be people that are so mean that it doesn't phase them, uh, but most people, when they're mean to others, I mean, if you, you know, someone says something mean to you and then you respond in kindness, or if they do something evil to you and you respond with goodness, often they will feel ashamed. And that's the idea in this metaphor. They feel ashamed. Uh, their conscience bothers them. It, it burns them to realize how they treated you. That, that's the idea behind that metaphor of burning coals on someone's head. And God will reward us for showing love and kindness to one who is our enemy. When a person's ways please the Lord, Proverbs 16, 7 says, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. What a wonderful promise. When we live a way that pleases the Lord, part of that is loving our enemies. Part of that is meeting their needs. And when we do that, even our enemies will be at peace with us. 
and a person's ways please the Lord. He makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. I do want you to be careful when a neighbor asks for money. Let's talk about this. Let's be practical. That's what the Proverbs are about. It's about being practical. Someone, your neighbor, comes and asks for money. That's happened to me. Neighbor knocks on the door, needs money. This is what Proverbs 17, 18 says. One without sense enters an agreement and puts up security for his friend. I've given you another proverb. It's a proverb 6. It was, excuse me, several verses, so I didn't put them on the screen. And it says to get out of it. If you have put up security for a friend to help them pay a loan, it says get out like a bird getting out of a trap, like an animal in a trap. Get out quick as you can. These are very specific instances of a neighbor who's basically wanting to borrow money. Can you imagine someone, your neighbor is borrowing money from the bank? And the neighbor needs some collateral. And your neighbor comes to you and says, Hey, can I use your house as collateral for my loan? Now, most of us aren't stupid enough to say, Sure! You know, can I use your vehicle to go get a title loan with your title to your car? So these verses tell us, Don't do that! You could expand it a little bit more and also be wise, and this is just my personal advice. This isn't from Proverbs, but this is what my personal advice is. If someone, anyone asks you for money and they are in need and you have a way to help them, do so, but never expect that money back. If you can, even if they say, I need to borrow $20, I'll give it back to you next week when I get paid. Never give money that you can't say goodbye to. I mean, if you give them $20 and you need that $20 at the end of the week yourself, then don't give it to them because you'll probably never see it again. But if you have the means to help them, sure, do it. And that's what we're called to do, even if it's an enemy, if it's a neighbor. If we have the means to help and they're in need, we help. But like I said, if we need that money, then don't give it to them because... Nine times out of ten, you won't get it back. Then you'll be in trouble. Then you'll be going to your neighbor on the other side of the street (laughs) asking them for money. And what good has that done anybody? You're just going around in circles. Of course, we would also could spend more time about being wise and practical about people you give money to, and then you never see it again, and they ask for more, and they ask for more. We don't have time to go into all the different scenarios, but it does take common sense, and you be careful. That's what the Proverbs say. Be careful when you're giving money to a friend giving money to a neighbor. Maybe think of other ways that you can help other than giving money, giving cash. I mean, I have seen that happen, helping a person once, helping them twice, helping them three times. Now it's become a pattern, and now they realize if they come and ask, they get money. I've had to say, no, I can help you in a different way, but I'm not giving you any more money. And usually the the request for money stops. So be wise. Use common sense. Don't put your house up for collateral for your friend's loan. And don't give money that you need yourself. How should we talk to our neighbor? I guess that's an easy one across the fence. That's how everyone talks to their neighbors, right? But seriously, there's several verses in Proverbs that tell us to be honest and truthful. That doesn't make, I mean, that makes sense. That's not a surprise. When we're talking, we shouldn't share secrets, especially when we're in an argument. We shouldn't be quick to take our neighbors to court. 
In the U.S., that's what we like to do. We have a dispute with our neighbor, we just go straight to court. We'll take care of them. No, try to settle that outside of court. But if you do end up in court with your neighbor, be honest. Don't lie. Even in the New Testament, we're told if our fellow Christians, we're not even to take them to court. Figure it out ourselves to bring in other Christians to help us. This is how we talk to our neighbors, with truthfulness, with honesty. Not telling gossip or secrets about them. But I want us to think more about that neighborhood. As I said earlier, I'm always convicted that when I do walk the dog through the neighborhood, I say hi, of course, to the neighbors I see. If they came to my door, as they have at times, and need something, I help them out if I can. And I'm sure you would too. I, mean, you're, I, I know you're a neighborly person. You would say hi. Someone comes and needs something, you'd help them out. But what I'm convicted about is how many times I go by all those houses and I never go up to the door and say hi. I never go up to the door and ask them to come to church. I, I think too many of us Americans take this proverb too literally. We're, well, I thought I had it here, but I don't. The proverb says, don't go to your neighbor's house. Because he'll get tired of you and hate you. Okay? And it's a reminder not to show up at your neighbor's house every hour. You know, how are you doing, neighbor? Then the neighbor comes the next hour, the next hour, and the next hour. You know, your neighbor's going to hate you then. I think sometimes we take it too literally. Leave my neighbors alone and they'll be happy. The best neighbor is one that you don't know. Everybody, no, everybody just keeps to themselves. Everybody keeps quiet. Everybody keeps silent. And then we'll all get along together. No, that's not how Christians are neighbors. So do you even know your neighbors? Do you know them by name? Or do you just know that, well, that's the one that's kind of tall and has the dog that's small. That's the one, that's that neighbor. I mean, do you know who they are? Do you know anything about them? Do you help them with their needs? Do you show the love of Christ? And how you talk to them, what you do. As I said earlier, do you, do you share with them that you're a Christian, how they can become a Christian? Do you simply invite them to church? Think about these questions here. If you moved out tomorrow, would your neighbors even miss you? Would they even know, except for they saw the truck? Well, the neighbor must be, that neighbor, whoever that one is, the one with that dog. It's moving out. <laughs> Would it make a difference in their life? Would it make a difference in your life? Would you be losing a friend? Would, would you be losing a connection? Would there be a hole in your life because the neighbors around you would no longer be there? Or would it not make a difference? You don't know them? You never see them, never talk to them? So if you moved out, no, I guess it wouldn't make a difference. This is the challenge that I'm giving myself that I also give to you. Because this is where I'm always so convicted. We, we do great ministry as, as a church, and we're asking people to come here. Come here and hear about Jesus. Come here and learn about his word. 
Come here and be blessed. Come here and be loved on. And then sometimes we wish, I wish more people would come. And why aren't more people here? Well, they don't have to be here to be loved on. They don't have to be here to hear about Jesus. They don't have to be here to hear His Word. You can go to them. And how hard is it to go to your neighbors? All it takes is a walk. You don't even have to get in your car. And I think about how much we're focused, as we should be, on telling the world about Jesus. But do we even tell our neighbors about Jesus? We don't need to have a, an offering to pay for missionaries to go to a foreign country to tell people about Jesus. We just walk across the street and tell someone about Jesus. So my challenge to me and to you is to be a neighbor who sees our neighborhood as a church, sees it as a mission field, sees it as a family. Do you see your neighborhood as a family or a mission field or a church, a place where you're loved on and you love others? If you don't, let's change that. Let's do something about it. That's why God put us there. He put us in that neighborhood for that reason. Heavenly Father, we are thankful you have put us in a place to live and to be among people. My Lord, my prayer is simple, that we would be good neighbors, and not just good neighbors in a passive way, of giving a cup of sugar when asked, or saying hi to a neighbor we pass in the street. Just being a good neighbor by not making noise early in the morning. Lord, that, that's a start. Well, that's not what you've called us to be. You've called us to be neighbors that make a difference for your kingdom and our neighborhood. There's no accident we live where we do and the others live around us. So Lord, I, I pray that you would move all of us to see our neighborhood as a place to be family and a place to do church and a, and a place that's a mission field. And Lord, I praise you and thank you for people here this morning who are already doing that. And I know many who are because they've told me of how they've reached out to their neighbors and how they have loved on them and how they have invited them to church. And, I, and I've seen the fruit of their efforts. I've seen people here, children at Vacation Bible School, uh, people in church, and I see them here because someone here at Olive Branch was a neighbor to them. So I pray there'd be more of that, Lord. Lord, give us the courage, give us the wisdom, give us the boldness to be the neighbors you've called us to be. And I pray, Jesus, in your name, amen. Stand with me, please. We're going to sing, but also respond to the Lord. What he has shared with you, a perfect way to respond this morning is to pray for a neighbor and to go see that neighbor this afternoon. See that neighbor this week. If someone has been laid on your heart, don't dismiss it right now, but you go and do something about that this week. If you have any need, you want to make any commitment to the Lord, sure, I'll be here with you to pray with you. But let's sing, let's pray, let's respond what the Lord has spoken to our hearts.